0: Welcome back to Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. This is Season 3, Episode 3. A whole lot of things going on in the news right now. I haven't done a podcast in a few weeks. I did get a vacation in there as well, so came back, came back refreshed and ready to talk a little Hawkeye sports. And all of a sudden, there's just all kinds of stuff to talk about. We've got baseball, basketball, football. We've got transfers and uh, transfer portal, NIL collectives, all that kind of stuff That's that's been flying around social media and, and the news outlets. Today, I'm going to stick with baseball and basketball, and then hopefully in the next few days, I'll have another podcast out talking a little bit of football, uh, the Charlie Jones situation, and NIL collectives. Let's kick it off with Coach Heller and the hawkeye baseball team they had another really solid season he just seems like a heck of a heck of a baseball coach and they got another snub as far as the ncaa tournament rough start for the hawkeyes in the big 10 tournament with a loss opening things up in omaha but the hawkeyes came back and won three games with their back against the wall in a double elimination tournament it was fun to see the hawks beat michigan but they had to beat them twice to get to the championship game. Just couldn't get that to happen. Brody Breck, you know, he was given the chance to start for his first time as a Hawkeye, you know, in kind of a kind of a, a tough situation for your first start in the Big Ten tournament. And he really struggled with control. And then the Michigan bats just kept rolling. Now the Wolverines are cheaters and or at least their pitcher was cheating and that was just quite an interesting thing a lot of people were really upset about that and and rightfully so you know the good news is he only faced a few batters you know he he at least hadn't mowed down 10 batters with that foreign object in his glove and that was the situation he had a foreign object in his glove I think the Hawkeye batters or the bench noticed it noticed that he was doing something funny out there with his glove and uh the, the umpires took a look at it, and they ran the guy. You just don't see that in college athletics much anymore where someone is trying to cheat just blatantly like that. I mean, of course, you see people like Davison at Wisconsin every now and then, but this was just a foreign substance, just really interesting. I mean, we've seen that over time in the major leagues, you know, not for a while, but it just does happen periodically. But kind of crazy to see it from a Michigan pitcher. But he didn't get, you know, he did get ejected, but the the Wolverines went on and won the game. You know, that, that wasn't the it's, – it's a bummer to see, but that really wasn't, you know, why the Hawkeyes lost, because of that foreign object. So the Hawkeyes did not get to the championship game, and it, it the RPI situation that they have in baseball is a really strange one. I mean – The Hawkeyes play in the eighth-best conference. The Big Ten is rated the eighth-best conference in baseball. Uh, The RPI was in the 50s, and the NCAA just needs to to look at how they select teams for the College World Series. The Big Ten conference deserves to have at least a minimum of, you know, three, four, five teams. I don't know, at least three or four. And – for some reason these smaller conferences these teams that are located in the south in the southeast where they can go around and they can play teams that are near them that are really highly ranked they seem to have an advantage in getting into the college world series whereas teams like Iowa you know they they have to play teams nearby here they don't get to just travel down to Florida, Texas, over and over again. They don't have that kind of budget. They can't schedule those kind of games. So, you know, good Hawkeye team and really deserving to be in the NC or in the, the College World Series, in my mind. Um, but Rutgers not making it was just a complete travesty. I don't know how how the NCAA can can justify that. It's really sad for that team. Well, let's move on from baseball. That season is over. You know, another great season, like I said, for Coach Heller and his team. And, man, the NCAA, I mean, Kevin Warren needs to get in their grill and and figure out what the Big Ten needs to do to get more representation in the College World Series. And I don't think the the solution is going to be to to send teams during the week down to Texas and Florida and Mississippi and Alabama to to, to play those SEC schools. I mean, that's just not going to happen, I don't think. And and the Big Ten is deserving of having more, more teams in that tournament. So, in basketball news, Chris Murray is going to be a Hawkeye for at least one more year. I'm guessing just one more year and then off to the NBA. He was really struggling with the decision um, – just great news for the Hawkeyes. I mean, this is this is what a Hawkeye fan wanted to see. Chris said it was the biggest decision of his life so far, whether to go to the NBA or come back to Iowa. He was in Chicago for six weeks going through the NBA pre-draft process, and, and he's now happy and really pumped to be coming back to play for the Hawkeyes for another year. Chris and Keegan's father, Kenyon Murray, the former Hawkeye great from the 1990s, Talked a little bit about Chris and his skills compared to Keegan. And he said that Chris is a better rebounder. He's a better ball handler and passer as well. And part of the reason for this is before, you know, Chris had, had grown to six eight, six nine, you know, they weren't overly tall kids growing up. I mean, basketball wise, I should say. But Chris played point guard. So I think we're going to see a lot of him dribbling and dishing next season. He's going to be another guy that's going to take the rebound, go coast to coast, and either take it to the rack, lay it in, dunk it, or pass it out on the perimeter for a three. So that's exciting to hear that and to you know see that come to fruition next year. He's going to be a leader for the Hawkeyes next year. And he had a lot of great experience. Working with NBA caliber players, and, and that's why going through this NBA draft process is so important. The experience that he got, he gained confidence knowing that he can play with those elite-type players. And he's been working out, shooting, lifting for, I think it is six weeks now that he's been doing that. And working out with his brother, working out with other players. And that confidence he gained, uh, showing him that he could play with top NBA-type players, it's really going to help him going into next season. So I'm glad he went through the process, glad that he's back, and he's going to be wearing the black and gold again next year. There's been a lot of talk you know, with Iowa not being able to get a big guy in the portal and not having an NIL collective contributed to that. Now I'll be talking uh, later about the NIL collective that is going to be coming soon but you know the hot guys didn't have that and it seems like the whole deal is show me the money for these especially the high caliber players that are in the the transfer portal and we don't have any money we, we, we don't have a collective uh fran mccaffrey can't just go out there and say yep $50,000 come to iowa and play next year we don't have a collective that can, that can do that. And I don't know if we ever will. Uh, that'll be a topic for another day as well. We're going to have a collective, but I don't know if it's going to be used for recruiting uh, much, if at all. Uh, you know, in that way, as far as enticing players to come just by giving them money, it's going to be used in a little bit different fashion. So, again, I'll be talking about NIL collective at a later date. But, you know, Josh Agundale, he hit the transfer portal after the season. I don't think there was a run of NIL deals for teams to try to get him, and, and he's back. Um, he and Riley Mulvey need to really get after it, and unless a Agundale loses weight, you know, really buys into the program and working out, he isn't going to see a whole lot of time on the court. But if he buys in, he loses that weight. He's able to get up and down the court. He does have some skills, you know, for a big guy, so... I'd like to see Mulvey and Josh both get about five to ten minutes per game this coming season. And, you know, I guess only if they're ready to go. If they've put in the work and they can be productive both on the defensive end and offensive end while they're out there. And I still think Philip Rabracha will be the starting five at this point. I think he's going to be much improved over last season, which was really an up-and-down season for him. I expected a little bit more based on what he had done North Dakota, but, you know, he struggled a little bit in the Big Ten, and I think he'll, he, he, he will admit that as well. He didn't really like how he played this past season, and he needs to get better on defense, especially against the, the dominant centers. There's still a couple of those left in the Big Ten uh, that he'll have to face next year. Uh, be really consistent scoring around the hoop. He's going to have to rebound, which he did a nice job last year, but even even take that up another step. And then he's going to have to make free throws. He really struggled last year from the free throw line. But, you know, if, if he does that and gets 10 or 12 points per game, around eight rebounds per game, it would be really big for the Hawkeyes next year. You know, he was around six points, uh, six rebounds last year. And... So I'm just saying just a few more points, a couple more rebounds, and he's likely going to be getting some more minutes this year. So I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, last year, Chris oftentimes spelled him at the five position. Uh, but Chris is going to be focused at the four this season. I don't think we're going to see him running at the five a whole lot next season. So more minutes for Rabracha next year, and then maybe 12 or so minutes for Mulvey and Ogundale to split up. At the four, as I said, it's going to be all Chris. And look for him to take on Keegan-type minutes from this past season. Watch him play in 35 minutes or so. 38 in those close, really tough games where they're going to need him out there on the court. 30 in those games where they can spell him and, and let him sit for a bit because the Hawkeyes have a nice lead. It's going to be fun to watch and see how much he's improved his handle, his dribbling. Um, and and watching him running the break after rebounds. His shot has supposedly improved as well, and he was a really solid shooter last year from three, right around 40%. He's added to his mid-range game. So, as I mentioned, having, having Chris back is just huge. Will he be Keegan? No, I don't think so, but he could be a guy that does a few... Other things that maybe Keegan didn't do as well, uh, and maybe an 18 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks type of a guy next year. Maybe even higher than that in scoring. I mean, I don't want to put too much pressure on scoring, but he had 29 in one game last year. And his minutes were really up and down, so some games he didn't score a whole lot. He's just going to have to work on that consistency, getting out there every game with the same effort, the same mental framework, and uh, state of mind, and, and just getting out there and getting it done. I think he has the skills. He's going to keep working on his game, so I'm just excited to see what Chris can do next season. I think he's going to have games where he scores over 30 points, and I think he's going to have games where he scores 15. So, uh, But watching him you know, do a lot of the little things out on the court, the rebounding, passing, dribbling, you know, that's exciting to hear about that and and can't wait to see it next season let's run down the rest of the the team a little bit patrick is going to play the the four when chris is out but likely will be at the three um i think we is going to get some minutes at the four as well especially if he's really dedicated himself to getting better as as has been stated by some sources out there And, and i think he's he's stated that himself and patrick is going to start at the three. He's a long, skilled wing, and, and Connor always calls him out. They have a podcast out, and Connor always calls him out for his defense. But he is a long defender, like continues to work on his body after the, the cancer that he went through and, and trying to put on some extra weight. You know, he, he's dealt with a lot, and he's doing a good job uh, getting his body built back up and, and becoming a really good player. He's just another 6'8 skilled wing. He can shoot threes. He can rebound, push the ball, he' he's a decent handle as well. And he can take it to the rack and score, and I think he is going to be a much-improved player this coming season. Last year, he improved so much from his freshman season, so that's another exciting thing to see Patrick as he continues to evolve his game. He got lost at times. Um. Around the rim, uh, he he would, he would drive through the lane, and sometimes it, it seemed like he didn't know what he was going to do with the ball. He'd get up in the air, um, so he needs to refine his offensive game a little bit. He needs to, when he's driving the lane, stop, pop it, you know, fade away, um, baby hook, whatever moves that he can get out there, and take it to the hoop all the way and, and scoop it in. Um, drive and dish. That's something that I think. He he wasn't ready to do too much last year. When he'd drive into the lane, he'd get in the air, and he'd typically just have to throw it up at the basket, whereas if he comes to a jump stop, maybe he can find a guy that's open at the three-point line. But overall, I mean, Patrick is just a really athletic kid. Um, he does a lot of good things on the court, and it's it's fun watching these kids continue To grow and get better. And I think he's going to take another step forward next season. And playing the two after just a superb sophomore campaign. Especially after they gave him the reins. And and he became a starter. Is Tony Perkins. He struggled from three throughout the season. Late in the season he did hit some huge threes. He got his average up a little bit better. He can defend. He can get to the rim. Just a really disruptive force. On defense he's a high-flying dunker in transition and you could see him just throughout the season get better and better and better and grow his confidence realize that he really belongs there and I can't wait to see what he can bring in his junior season as well at the point I believe Aaron Eulis will get the nod early and he's going to be given the chance to be the, the starting point guard uh, Joe Tucson, of course hit the transfer portal really shocking to me he went to West Virginia and you know that's a great program in the Big 12 Um, but of all the guys all the coaches that can't handle a point guard who's a little bit off balance maybe falls down travels throws the ball out of bounds steps out of bounds Huggy Bear at West Virginia is probably the top guy that you, you don't want to be making those kind of mistakes and but Joe Toussaint was a good player. I really liked him as a point guard at Iowa. I, I would have liked to have him back as a as a backup. Um, I really wish him the best and hope he has a lot of success at West Virginia. I, I just kind of thought that he maybe would have taken a little bit more of a step down from the Big Ten and tried to get on a squad where he could play 30 minutes per game, 35 minutes. And to me it seems like he would play a similar role at West Virginia than he did at Iowa, but maybe Huggy Bear has some other plans for Joe, and uh, and maybe he'll, you know, just a different coaching style, different system that maybe suits him better, so who knows, and I hope he does very well there. Now, pushing Uless will be incoming freshman DeSante Bowen, and if he's all that we think he can be, he may end up starting with Euliss playing some time off the bench at both the point and as a backup, too, so Really going to be interesting to see DeSante Bowen. He's getting a lot of publicity. I think he's a guy that we Hawkeye fans have been waiting for. We, we, we want a really athletic point guard, 6'3". three, can get to the rim, can shoot, he can kind of do it all. But uh, I like what Aaron Eulis brings to the table as well. Off the bench, I expect a big season also from Peyton Sanford. He is a long... Two or three player. He can play either of those positions. You know, he could even play the four as big as he's gotten, as long as he is. And he really improved. Um, he really had a nice three point shot. He was streaky last year. Uh, some games he would hit four of them in a row, other games, you know, he'd miss all four. But overall, he did well close to 40%. And I expect him to be a little bit more consistent as a sophomore. And I can picture him becoming more of a Joe wieskamp type shooter from three, forty-two, forty-three percent, in in year two as a Hawkeye. And he's a better rebounder than I expected. And after kind of the leap that he made in the second half of the season, his his true freshman year, I think he's going to be really fun Hawkeye to watch next season as well. And off the off the bench next season, let's not forget. The seasoned vet, Connor McCaffrey. He's going to play defense. He's going to run the offense. He's going to take the ball up at times. He's going to inbound the ball. He's a great inbounder, really accurate passer. And I mentioned Bowen and shooting guard Josh Dix is also coming in. He's another true freshman. He had the rough injury during his senior high school campaign, but hopefully he is healing up and he'll be ready to go this winter. And then there is the walk-on, the athletic guard, Marion Nimmers, Marian Nimmers, from Rock Island. And uh, he's really athletic. He's a dunker, high flyer. It's going to be great to see you know, if he can get on the court in his career as a Hawkeye. And I, I think there is a, a decent chance of that. And then let's not forget walk-ons, Luke Laqueta and Carter Kingsbury, son of former Hawkeye great Chris Kingsbury. So, for the Hawkeyes, that is only 11 scholarship players on the roster next season, and that includes the two incoming freshmen, Bowen and Dix. Now, hopefully, one or both those guys will be ready for some big time minutes next season at guard. The Hawkeyes are pretty thin at guard right now, they only have three returning players, one of them, and Kingsbury. Bottom line for me, the core starting five of Euless or Bowen at point guard. Tony Perkins at the two, Patrick McCaffrey at the three, Chris Murray locking down that four position, and then Philip Rabracha. That could be a top 25 team next year and another NCAA berth, maybe in order for the Hawkeyes. I predict that they will get there. I think this is a really long, talented team that's going to score a lot, take care of the basketball, and be really fun to watch. I also think that Sanford is going to have a big season, averaging... You know, seven, eight, nine points off the bench. Doing other little things as well. Rebounding, playing defense. Uh, Ulyss or Bowen, whoever doesn't start, is just going to be huge coming off the bench next season. Maybe Dix as well as if he's healthy enough and he can go. And having Connor McCaffrey is going to be huge from a leadership standpoint. Coming off the bench, doing the things that he does so well. Patrick and Chris will probably both be playing over 30 minutes next season and they need to try to get more out of her bracha some more minutes as well as some better play from him uh, so hopefully he is working really hard and he's gonna be able to put up some good numbers next season well, that's all I have today uh, I plan to come out with another podcast soon I have some opinions around the Charlie Jones situation some of the other things going on these days and I want to touch on that so Uh, Some other topics as well. But until then, hope you're enjoying your summer, and go Hawks!